time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman, LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hey everybody, welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you on a Monday, February 3rd. That's right, LA Galaxy, another preseason week into February. Uh, lots of stuff going on. Emiliano and Sua actually arriving at Dignity Health Sports Park. Finally, I guess I should say, finally, uh, he's there. So uh, we got him there, uh, the LA Galaxy getting ready for a scrimmage this week. And we're going to get you caught up with some of the news that at least came through here in recent days, including a, uh, a little game that got played between the United States and Costa Rica that featured a whole bunch of former, current LA Galaxy people, so you're going to want to check that out for sure. All right, to help me do all of it is uh, the panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. How's it going, Kev? Hey, don't talk about that Costa Rica-US game. Judging from the crowd, everyone's trying to keep it a secret. I was going to... It was... It was a game that was not well attended, and I think we can place uh, a lot of that at, at U.S. soccer again. And I saw this on the message boards and everybody sort of uh, going off there, Kevin. But when you looked at it, it was one of those things. It's like, okay, um, this seems like this is there, there's a bigger problem. There's a bigger indicated problem here than just um, you know poor attendance. It seems like bad pricing strategy and, and all sorts of fun stuff. Well, I heard a lot of fans complaining, too, about that there wasn't a lot of marketing done uh, ahead of time. And and I don't know whose fault that is. Is that their fault for not noticing um, or not going to the soccer air, you know, websites and things where the game was advertised? Is that U.S. soccer's fault for not maybe doing some more, uh, you know, widespread media? It is uh, the end of the January camp. It's not a big game. Um, it, you know, they did want to play. The U.S. did want to play El Salvador. And they thought coming to um, L.A. playing El Salvador, there are more Salvadorans in L.A. than any place outside El Salvador. They thought that they'd really get good attendance for that. El Salvador backed out uh, kind of at the last minute, and Costa Rica stepped in to, to, to fill that spot. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it. But, you know, there were some things that, that they could market. They had Yulianez, who came back, former Galaxy player, playing in, in his hometown, uh, you know, for the first time. They right. had... Uh, Walker Zimmerman and Sebastian Legette from the, the LAFC and the Galaxy, respectively, starting the game. Um, you know, there was a lot of things that they could have perhaps, you know, tried to sell fans on, but very little of that was done. Yeah, it, it seemed that way. And, and listen, we, you know, as this show and as I've been careful to do with this show over the years is, you know, not pick a national team in terms of, you know, who you're covering and how it's going. The, the only reason we really talk about this game is because, let's see, uh, Julian Araujo, uh, Ulianis, uh, Sebastian Legette, Ari Lasseter, People Gonzalez, uh, all part of this game. So there's a ton of LA Galaxy connections whenever you really start, you know, focusing in on it. Well, yeah, and if you wanted to, and I know you don't want to, but if, if you did want to expand a little bit to LAFC, you did have Walker Zimmerman, and then you had uh, Marcos Ureña, who was with LAFC's first team. So there were a lot of Southern California connections if they wanted to go that way. Another thing is, as you mentioned, the prices were just too high and parking prices were too high. Um, if we're going to decide we're not going to do a lot of market on this because it's the January friendly and it's not a big deal, then, okay, let's drop ticket prices, maybe $5. Our, our upper deck ticket prices, drop them. Allow people to bring families to this game. It's not a World Cup qualifier. It's not a Gold Cup game. This is the game where you try to reach out and expand the base a little bit and let people come in and sample U.S. national team game and see if they want to come back and pay 50 or or $100 for a Gold Cup game or an Olympic or a World Cup qualifier. I mean, th this is kind of the – this is basically a spring training game. You don't go to a spring training game in Arizona and expect to, to pay the same price 
prices that you're going to pay at Dodger Stadium for the World Series. I mean, you know, it, this is where you expand the base and, and let fans come in and sample this stuff. Yeah, it, it is It is a good chance to sort of, you know, get that done and, and have that happen. Um, it's just uh, it's just unfortunate. Again, I, I think the parking prices were up to $25, if people were telling me uh, correctly. And then there was some panic, I think, that there would be a, a price raise uh, in Galaxy parking because it's at Dignity Health Sports Park. And, and so far, I don't think that's the case. I think the parking is staying at about $20. Uh, for the LA Galaxy uh, uh, times and stuff like that, but I mean, let's focus a little on the uh, on the current LA Galaxy players and the one that really garnered the most focus in this camp, at least from you know a Galaxy perspective, was Julian Araujo, and only because it was his first senior team uh, call up, it was his first chance to possibly get a cap. Um, he went through all the training, he did all that stuff, uh, didn't get a chance to play, however. Well, I, I talked to him and I talked to his parents before the game. And it, the one thing that really struck me is, is I talked to Julian right after he signed with the Galaxy and I think just before he played his first game. And he struck me as just a normal 17-year-old. He seemed very, uh, you know, a lot of times he'd finish his sentences before he'd finished what his thought was. He just, he uh, didn't seem real confident. He res- wasn't uh, the best spoken guy I'd ever talked to. In other words, he sounded just like what he was, a 17-year-old. But in the last year, he's, you know, he's played a lot of games in MLS. He played, you know, became a professional. He played in the U or he went, was on the team for uh, the the U 20 world cup. He's had a lot of uh, incredible experiences and he sounds like a much more mature, I don't want to say worldly, but much more mature, confident guy who feels like he belongs now. And his mother told me that she noticed the same thing, but ironically she told me that the incident or, or the experience that made him more mature was when he was left off the roster for the U-20 World Cup, uh, was added as an injury replacement, which, so bad, good, and then he gets to the U-20 World Cup as one of only two outfield players who never gets off the bench. So he came back from that experience a a little bit angry and wanting to prove himself. And the Galaxy benefited. He started five of the next six games when he came back for the Galaxy, and he had that great assist on the the, uh, Zlatan goal, if you remember, in the uh, – El Trafico at home when Zlatan scored that first goal and he had the kind of over-the-shoulder assist. So he is a different player than he was last year. Um, now, having said that, he he impressed in camp. Greg Berhalter liked him a lot. He said he wanted to have an outside back who was fast, that could get down the wings, that could you know that could contribute to the offense, but also be aware of his defensive responsibility and get back and play defense too. And he thought that Julian provided that. Uh, Greg Berhalter said that Julian is definitely the guys that he is looking to for Olympic qualifying, which comes up in March, meaning that he might be missing to the Galaxy for two weeks. That's going to be the second half of March in Guadalajara, Mexico, where the U.S. will try to qualify for the Olympics. It's a U23 tournament. Um, so Julian is one guy that uh, the U.S. is definitely looking at uh, to play there. Now, having said all that, um, uh, Julian had 40 friends and family members make the drive up from Lompoc, just as they did last March for his first L.A. Galaxy game in uniform, and he played in that game, and so the family was real happy about that. This time he didn't play. Uh, I got a lot of angry messages from some of his family members and, and some of his friends about why they didn't play, and they thought Greg Berhalter could have brought him off the bench at least for a few minutes to let him run around and make his national team debut, but that did not happen. Yeah, it, it didn't happen. One of only three substitutes not used for the U.S., uh, Julian Araujo. So th- I mean, does this it, does this sort of constitute another setback for Julian Araujo, or is this just you know sort of the way the cookie crumbles, this guy is going to get his national team call-up, or was maybe this his chance and now his chance is gone? 
Well, see, that's the funny thing, because you can make an argument both ways. You can say, hey, he had a good camp and he didn't get to play. What didn't he do? Let's step back a little bit. In mid-December, nobody – he was on anybody's uh, radar to go to the national team camp. So the call-up that he got in late September, right around Christmas time, when he told he was going – was a surprise and a, a pleasant surprise to everybody. And I, I talked to his mom and remember the camp was going to be in Qatar. And then at the last minute, they decided not to go to the Middle East after the uh, a U.S. missile strike in Iraq. And they went to, to uh, Florida instead. She was really happy about that. The whole family was that he wasn't going to go to the Middle East in the mid, amidst all those tensions. But going back to that, no one expected him to get called up. He gets called up. He impresses in camp. Uh, played in a couple of scrimmages. Um, everyone's real happy with what they saw of him. He's now... You know, uh, you know, one of the first choice guys probably for the Olympic qualifying tournament, and if he does well there, probably to go to Tokyo because they can call up three overage players for that, but they're not going to call up. I doubt they're going to call up an outside back. That wouldn't be a position you would use those call-ups on. So everything is looking good. If you look at where he is now as opposed to where he was in mid-December, it's all good. He didn't play in the one game that everyone came to. That's okay. That's a little maybe disappointment. I wouldn't even call it a setback. The fact that if you look at where he is now as opposed to where he was before Christmas, it's night and day. He is on the radar now for the national team, the senior national team, as well as the U23 team. Yeah, I mean, that that Olympic call-up uh, very well could be, you know, his 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 time to shine. Um, but as you mentioned, you know, sort of the, the U20 World Cup disappointment. I mean, there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of questions here, I'm sure, that you know, sort of have to be answered about him. And, you know, how much is it okay that he missed the first couple of weeks of training camp with the Galaxy with Guillermo Bereshkoloto? I mean, I, I think everybody's of the mind that Rolf Felcher is still the starter at right back, but I think a lot of people expect that by the end of this season, Julian Araujo will be the starter for the LA Galaxy. And, uh, you know, did this little bit of time away from camp um, hurt his chances more and maybe some ch- time away from Olympic or for the Olympics could uh, hurt his chances? I-, I Listen, I think it's all positive for the kid. Uh, I don't think that this is a, a-, a negative sort of turn of events. I would have personally, I think if you're an LA Galaxy fan, you wanted to see him get the call up and get the national team sort of cap and, and have that sort of feather in his hat and give him some confidence but Kevin your story about him being upset about the U20 Olympics and sort of the chip on his shoulder there I mean if you're getting angry text messages from your family that you didn't play um, you know sort of like they're like man you you should have played does that light a little fire under him does, to even start this season is he playing with another chip on his shoulder well I think more he's probably looking at some of the things Greg Berhalter said where he said they expect to see him playing more for the Galaxy this season and I don't know if that was so much a message to Dennis DeClosa and, and Guillermo Barrescoloto or whether it was maybe to light a fire as you said under Julian to maybe make him uh, push for a little more playing time they want to see him out on the field you know the one thing with the na- anyone in the national team player pool is you're not going to make the team by sitting on the bench you need to get out there and you need to play regularly and 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 that's always been one of the, the problems with going to Europe if you're going to go to Europe and be a guy that comes off the bench are you really doing your national team prospects any good maybe you're better to stay in MLS and play 90 minutes every weekend um, so it's kind of a tough call but uh, the U.S. national team they uh, it, the funny thing was is is you sort of had to step back and say wait a minute these guys are talking about a 19 year an 18 year old 
coming off his first season in MLS. They have high expectations for him, and I think that's all to the good. Um, you know, I'm sitting here saying, hey, he did great. You know, pat him on the back. He, he's really progressed. And the national team program is taking exactly the opposite uh, approach to saying you're not coming fast enough. And that's probably good. That's probably what you want. I think if Julian is somewhere in between that, realizing he's come a long way, but also realizing that the expectations are that he is going to be much better, that's probably where he wants to be. Yeah, an early enough age that I don't think this is a setback. I mean, there are sort of shades in my mind, at least for a little bit, um, and clearly the timeline is totally different. But you know, you remember when AJ De La Garza got called into the U.S. Men's National Team, uh, got a cap and played, and then found out you know probably he was never going to play for the U.S. Uh, men's National Team uh, ever again. And so um, you know, there, there's these things that happen uh, throughout soccer players' lives, and I think a lot of times we don't give it enough. Uh, attention, Kevin, that there is some luck involved in some of this, and then there's also also being at the right place at the right time, and then there's also hard work, and the hard work has to line up with a little bit of the luck as well to get these guys who, you know, um, imagine being a shortstop at the, in the New York Yankees during the Jer- Derek Jeter years, right? It's like, y- you're never going to play, and you could be, maybe you could have been better than Derek Jeter, unlikely. Maybe you could have been, but maybe you needed that playing time, and the bottom line is you weren't going to get it, because because Derek Jeter was there. Same thing happens uh, here with uh, with any of these. I mean, look at the Galaxy's young attacking prospects that we've seen come up and not sort of pan out. And some of the reason is that there aren't any minutes for young attackers to play uh, within the LA Galaxy organization. Certainly a criticism that has uh, has come out many times. And that, that backfires too, because you, you think about a guy like Jack McBean, right? He was always the next great big thing. He was going to be great. And he never got the playing time to prove that. And then when he did get the playing time in Colorado, and and there were a number of factors. I'm not trying to 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 you know to dump all over Jack McBean, but I'm just saying that this was the next great thing, and he never got the chance to play. And then when he did get the chance to play, you know he didn't live up to the expectations he had. You could say the same thing about Paul Ariola when he was in uh, you know the academy system with the Galaxy. He did turn out to be a great player once he got to D.C. United. By the way, A.J. De La Garza did wind up playing internationally for Guam. I don't yes. know if you remember that. Yeah, I do. Uh, but when you look at, at Julian, I think there's there's really it's going to be two seasons for him, and this could be really interesting. I, I agree with you. I think Rolf Felcher is probably the starter at right back uh, going into the season, and they'll play, what, uh, one, two, three. They'll play two games um, before Julian would have to go away if, in fact, he makes the Olympic qualifying team. They would play two games before he would go away. I don't know that he'd start either one of those games. So then he's gone for two weeks at Olympic qualifying, presumably plays every day. There would be five games that he would play there, um, You know, assuming that he plays and plays well. Then he comes back to the Galaxy. Then he would leave again in July, mid-July, to go to the Olympics. That would be a whole different scenario because I think if he comes back from the Olympic qualifying, there's a lot of games and a lot of days. There's U.S. Open Cup. There's all kinds of other things. I think he gets a lot of playing time in that in that space in a Galaxy jersey and probably gets a lot of momentum and probably gets to feel comfortable that, you know, I'm looking uh, at the bright side of all this. Then he goes away. I think what would really hurt him would be going away to the Olympics, which, of course, the Galaxy have to allow him to go. You can't, you know, stop a guy from going to the Olympics. Then he goes away to the Olympics, and he misses the middle of the season. Then he comes back for the the playoff drive, and and then you wonder where he is. Rolf has then stepped back in, probably started four or five games. Um, uh, that might be tough for Julian coming back at that point to sort of win his starting spot back. So I see it kind of a, a couple of different seasons unfolding here for Julian Araujo if, in fact, he remains in the national team camp 
picture for uh, the U23s. Well, uh, a guy who played all 90 minutes, Sebastian Legette, was out there for the U.S. men's national team. Uh, what did you get from uh, from him? I thought he played very well. I thought he, um, he I thought he was dangerous on the attack. Um, he was playing in the center, uh, central midfield, which is, I guess, where he's going to play for the Galaxy. Uh, I thought he looked really good. Um, uh, the the team as a whole, it was sort of a a, a two a two part team. They were trying to put two parts together. They had the young guys, the guys like Yulianez. They had it was the youngest starting lineup that the U.S. had used in quite some time, and they had seven players make their national team debut. That's the most. Uh, in a game since 1992. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a part young lineup and then a part veteran lineup with guys like Legit. So there was a lot of chemistry missing. There were a lot of Sebastian's passes that were going to players who had turned the wrong way or weren't quite as fast as he thought it was. So there was a lot of uh, guys trying to feel each other out. But for the most part, I thought I thought Sebastian is not in midseason form right now, but I thought he looked comfortable. I thought he looked confident. Uh, I, I think he's coming to back into Galaxy camp fit i don't know that he'll play in the scrimmage on tuesday that might be a little uh, much to ask he's probably got a day or two off anyways but uh i, I think he looks fit and i think he's starting from a real good spot yeah uh, sebastian legit like you said uh now quote unquote a veteran of this uh of this u.s men's national team uh which is uh interesting to look at and uh and to see him play but i mean the list i i you know i read through the through the lineup and i got to see a little bit of this game i was in in colorado over the weekend uh, visiting my son, and so I got to see you know about ten or twenty minutes of this game total um, in between uh, running errands and doing some other stuff. But you know, seeing Legit out there, he seemed comfortable. I mean, you know, we said this a couple years ago, Kevin, where it was like, oh, this is the year that Sebastian Legit needs to take a step forward, right? This is the year where everything needs to go right for Sebastian Legit, and where he needs to take and being he's a targeted allocation money player as well, a TAM player this year. Uh, you have to expect leadership from him, and you have to expect that he takes another step forward. And I just don't know if we're going to see the step forward that everybody keeps expecting from him, or maybe we've seen the plateau. Well, I think one problem with him is, if you remember, he came up with the national team in World Cup qualifying in, in 2017, right? It was when he got hurt. Um, and he was playing on the wing for Bruce Arena at that point and scored a goal in that first game. And then he and then he had the foot injury and missed the whole rest of the season. And then he came back in, and speaking just to the national team, he came back in under Dave Sarakin and they were uncertain where to use him. He had the injury problems. He was on and off. And, and then when he made it back to the team with Greg Berhalter, all of a sudden he's playing in the central midfield role. He's playing more as a, as a playmaker, not as a, 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 so much as an attacker, as a guy that sets up the attack. He's not looked to, uh, to do much scoring. And you've sort of seen the same thing in his club career. When he first came up that first season, he scored a lot of goals, and he's kind of taken on a, a new role. And I don't know whether that's proven uncomfortable for him or not, but I, I think you're right. I think he does have a, a very defined role with this team, both as a leader and, and now as a playmaker. He's going to be in the central midfield. Roman's no longer here. Um, you know, what Sebastian is going to be asked to do, I think is going to be very clear from the start. And he's looking at 90 minutes a game. It's not one of these things where he's going to be sharing minutes with anybody. I think that's all to the good. I, I do think that that's going to help him because he knows what his role is and he knows that the job is his to lose. It's a much different situation when you have to go out and try to earn your playing time. Uh, I don't know it, it, how to measure how uh, what his 
what his contribution is going to be, though, because you, I don't think you're going to get a ton of goals. I'm right. not even sure you're going to get a ton of assists. Right. But if he is that linking guy between the back, which is going to be extremely important in this new Galaxy team with Chicharito up front, if he can provide that link from the back line to the front line, uh, it will be hard to measure that. You're going to have to watch every game and see it. But I think that's what he's being called on to do, and I think he's ready to do it. Yeah, it's, it's uh, again, another test year, I guess, for Sebastian Legetta. A test in terms of where he fits in the in the Guillermo Barrescoloto uh, sort of lineup and and what they expect. Like like you said, uh, being that that Cam, he's a center attacking midfielder in this lineup. Uh, he's a guy who should be in the center and who should link with uh, Chicharito. He's also backup on the wings on either side. So he's a backup for you know um, Alexander Katai and he's a backup for Christian Pavone on those sides. So I mean, there's a lot of interchangeability that Sebastian Legette is probably going to have to deal with this year. Uh, but he's also going to have to be able to perform in all those places because um, I think no matter what happens, you're seeing him as a starter in the center um, and then could actually be a starter on the wing depending on anything else that happens. Uh, again, there's a lot of you know machinations that you know you could move Christian Pavone up top as a striker. You could move uh, if, if Chicharito has to come off and you could move Sebastian Legette out wide to cover for Pavone or you can move you know Alexander Katai up top. I mean, there's a bunch of different ways to sort of mold and mix and sort of twist this, but one of the key players in all of that and one of the key players to the depth of the LA Galaxy throughout the midfield is Sebastian Legette, a guy who is a little bit of a Swiss Army knife and I think this year we're going to really find out whether or not his best position is that center midfield uh, position because uh, I I think there's always been some questions about it I I think maybe I have uh, liked him better on the wing at times um, but I think that Guillermo's going to play him in the center you know he's not really Swiss though his family's Argentinian. Argentine? That's what he yeah. is? All uh, right. You know, the other thing, another benefit, too, is now with Greg Berhalter's system, it, it, it's not exactly the same, but it's, it's pretty close to what GBS wants to play. Um, Sebastian's going to be playing the same system as he goes back and forth. And remember, this: there's four, uh, I believe, four World Cup qualifiers this year. Um no, wait, there's six. There's six World Cup qualifiers. It begins in August. So Sebastian, and then there's the uh, um, the Nations League uh, right. thing in June. So Sebastian's probably going to be called off called on frequently to go away to national team camps and come back. And so he's going to be going back and forth. I don't know how many games he missed, but just going into the training camps and playing a different system, the fact that he's going to be playing essentially the same system is a big help because you do see a lot of these guys that go play national team and it's a different system. A good example was in this training camp was Bill Hamid, the goalkeeper, who's a great goalkeeper. And the national team really wants to use him, but he's not used to the way they play building out of the back, keeping the ball at your feet, playing comfortably with the ball at your feet as, as a goalkeeper. And it's really proven to be a tough transition for him. And I think we've seen that with other guys, too, where you see them thinking on the field, whether it's for the national team or the club team, thinking, what am I doing in this system? Who am I supposed to link with? Right. Sebastian's not going to have that problem. That, that is an advantage. I, I think that's a great uh, a great shot on that as, as well. Um, yeah, it, it should be a, a somewhat seamless transition for him, just a matter of chemistry between everybody else. Uh, let's let's talk about somebody on the other side of the ball before we come back to uh, to possibly the uh, the U.S. men's national team side. Um, but we have to talk about the captain for uh, for Costa Rica in this particular case. It is uh, Giancarlo Gonzalez. Uh, a guy who is uh, is under, I think, pressure this year on the LA Galaxy side to show that he's worth the contract that he had uh, with uh, Diego Polenta out. And now, I think right now we say that People Gonzalez is a starter there, and I would say that he was one of the more inconsistent defenders on the year for the LA Galaxy last year. So um, what did you think of uh, him playing for, uh, for Costa Rica there? 
You know, he almost had a goal. I don't know if you saw that, but there was a set piece uh, where um, the ball was directed toward the goal. It bounced back out, and Giancarlo uh, headed it toward the goal. It actually got past the goalkeeper, hit the crossbar, bounced down, somehow not crossing the line, and bounced away. Costa Rica only had two shots. That was one of them. That was the closest they came to scoring. Um, I, I, I don't want to say that I think he distinguished himself, but I don't think he hurt uh, Costa Rica any uh, the U.S. attack was relentless and it was and the guys were very quick and and the U.S. actually should have had more goals I don't know how much of that would have been his fault but uh, you know it wasn't a great game but it wasn't a horrible game yeah yeah I mean hey that's a that's that's not a that's not a horrible thing to say about uh, about a defender uh, defenders should be mostly anonymous uh, and and you know if they make a big stop every once in a while that's great too but most of the time we see defenders uh, you know, have failed in what they were trying to do. And the reason they've failed, a goal has been scored. And anytime a goal has been scored, that means the defense broke down somewhere. Um, so, yeah, Giancarlo Gonzalez has has a big, big season for the LA Galaxy this year. And with rumors of the LA Galaxy still targeting a central defender and trying to bring one uh, into this team uh, before possibly the start of the season, but certainly before the transfer window closes uh, in Major League Soccer, uh, he's it's going to be up to him to show that he deserves to be there. Him being the captain in Costa Rica, I think, you were saying what he was uh he was the the I'll, I'll let you you have the stat i can't remember what you said well yeah of the players in camp not of the active right. players still around but of the players in camp he had the most uh with this costa rican national team he had uh well he made it his 81st appearance with the national team in in the game with the u.s that was the most of anybody uh, in this particular training camp um and, and the u.s mainly came up their left side and 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 he was playing right center back well over to the other side in the center so u.s did not uh, think that he was someone that they could exploit which i guess is the good thing and and most of the action was away from him but when you talk about the defense you know they have acosta now um in so you mentioned is and they're both on the they would both be on the left side on the right side you got arajo and Ralph felcher it look, looks really strong so the you know the outside backs are pretty strong and there's some guys down in galaxy two that could step up and 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 play uh, as well you're right, though. Where they're missing is they need at least one more strong center back. You could say, okay, Steris deserves to start. I agree with that. He was probably their best defender last year. Giancarlo, you're not quite sure what you're going to get with that. Certainly the potential is there. The experience is there. The size is there. All the things that you want. Maybe the consistency is not there. But in any case, even if both those guys have good seasons, you still need a third back with some of this, uh, you know, with some of the fixture crush that we're going to get in the middle of the season with U.S. Open Cup and everything else. Right. Uh, and you can't just be bringing guys up from Galaxy 2 to fit that position. I think you need one more good, experienced center back. And I hate to say it, but are we going to be looking at this in, in May or June and saying, gosh, I wish we had Dave Romney still? Yeah, I mean— My I th- guess is we're going to. Yeah, I mean, I think that's always been the thing. Um, you know, un- unfortunately, you don't play a guy for so long, he's going to want to get out of town. Uh, and so that's, you know, I, I don't think anybody, although Nashville seems to be falling apart quickly, by the way, in terms of yeah, their, stadium come de- back. their stadium. But you know what? Credit to Dennis DeClosa because he and Romney talked about that and Dennis knew that he was unhappy. I think if Dennis was a selfish guy, he would look at that. He would look at the situation like we are right now saying, I need some backup at center back. This guy is too good. Um, yes, he's not going to be uh, a 100% starter for us, but we need him. Instead, Dennis said, you know what? You've been a good soldier. You, you've done everything the team has asked you to do, uh, and I, where do you want to go? And right. he basically said, where, where do you want to go? I will, send, I will trade you to where you want to play. That was a really class move by Dennis. And you know what? That stuff gets around. 
players undecided about whether they want to come here, whether they want to transfer here, whether they're international or coming from MLS. They hear stories like that, and they know that Dennis is going to be a good guy. Bruce did that, um, and uh, you know, with a lot of players, Sean Franklin and, and Marcelo Service and and uh, Rick Gitts and a lot of guys. So, um, you know, a good move by Dennis, but you wonder now if the team can't fill that hole, whether they might have been better off being selfish and hanging on to to Dave Romney. Yeah, I know. It's always one of those you always look. All right, let's talk about some uh, some former Galaxy players or Galaxy Academy guys. Um, I think one of the interesting ones that we can sort of touch on, Ari Lasseter, of course, um, a, a guy who had been playing with the LA Galaxy um, over the last uh, couple of seasons in terms of LA Galaxy 2, um, and then uh, possibly getting some senior team minutes and, and just all the stuff that sort of went around Ari Lasseter, and you're seeing him get a start now uh, for, for Costa Rica, ends up going 45 minutes. So uh, did the LA Galaxy move on too soon from Ari? Well, he, uh, I didn't even notice he was on the field. I mean, this is my poor reporting. Okay. I'll just jump right out and <laughs> yes. say that that's my poor reporting. All I got to do is look at the start sheet, you know, the starting lineup. And Hey, I know that guy. Right. Um, but the fact that uh, the best shot of the game came from a defender on a set piece um, that, and he was playing as an attacker um, probably means he wasn't having that great a game. He does have six. Um, that was his sixth cap though with costa rica so um you know he's playing for a club down there in costa rica now obviously trying to restart his career the fact that he's getting a look from the national team uh this is another team that is i i'm not sure how old is he now is he still age age eligible for the olympics because costa rica is another team they're going to be in the u.s group in the qualifying tournament it's kind of the group of death and people are looking at Costa Rica as a possible team that could be in the Olympics as well. So maybe he's about to take a step up in class a little bit. And and uh, if he has a good summer, you know, put himself in position to play for the senior national team at some point. Yeah, he, he could. I, th- I think he's one of those guys that um, whenever you look at, at at what he has done, that maybe he's going to be a late bloomer and all this stuff. Uh, by the way, age 25 now. Oh, so he's out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to help him, and that just didn't work. Well, I mean, you know, you look at it, 25 games played with the LA Galaxy. A majority of those came in uh, 2017 uh, when he had uh, 14 games played and 258 minutes, and he had one goal uh, for the senior team there in 2017. And, of course, we know the 2017 team was full of a bunch of young guys uh, that ended up uh, having the worst team in uh, MLS soccer uh, or a- at least in LA Galaxy history. I was going to give it all of MLS soccer. That's not true. Uh, just in LA Galaxy history, it was the worst LA Galaxy team. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, 25 games played, uh, three only three starts overall. So definitely one of those uh, one of those substitutes to come off the bench, just the one goal for the LA Galaxy. So uh, interesting to see him. I-, I thought the most interesting one, though, Kevin, out of all these former players, and by the way, Jesse's artist played as well, if you want to talk about former LA Galaxy players. Um, Absolutely. There were, there were 11 players, I believe, uh, from both teams that had some sort of California, Southern California connection. That's that's not too bad. Um, if you look at it, is the, the one that sort of has the biggest question mark is, uh, is of course, uh, Ole Giannis, uh, a guy who was in the LA Galaxy Academy, a guy who the LA Galaxy, I think, uh, me personally, 
uh, didn't didn't pay attention to enough uh, during the uh, during the very bad years, and now a guy who's I think playing over in Germany uh, and doing just a fine job at that. Uh, this is a kid now who comes back and scores the only goal for the U.S. Uh, men's national team in the one nothing victory on a penalty kick. Uh, a guy who probably looked pretty dangerous in this game as well. So, uh, what'd you take of of, of Ulianis and uh, and sort of maybe? I have this strange feeling, Kevin, and you can tell me if I'm crazy or not. I just have a feeling that one day this this guy this kid ends up back with the LA Galaxy. Well, Dennis wants him to come back, and and I don't know if you knew this, but Dennis, right uh, shortly after he came, Yuli was looking for a home in Germany. I don't think he had signed at that point, but was definitely looking and and was not coming back to the Galaxy at that point. And Dennis sent him a Galaxy kit, saying, you know, we know this is what you've always wanted, the Galaxy first team kit try this on if if it fits you know you're welcome to come back at any time that was a pretty classy move you know dennis reaching back uh, it, this was a guy by the way I, he may have known during his chivas us8 oh, nice doubtful but some of the people around the team definitely knew him because he was part of the chivas usa academy um uh, before he came to the galaxy so that was a classy move just to say look he, he, I don't think he necessarily said, I'm sorry what happened, but he just said, look, you're, we're still thinking of you. We still know you're part of the family. You're welcome back at any time. That was a great move. And, and you may be right. Right now, Giannis is playing for Wolfsburg, uh, actually Wolfsburg 2, which is their uh, second-tier team, but he's playing a lot for the U19 team in the Wolfsburg Academy in Germany. Um, he told me, I asked him about uh, you know, whether the Galaxy was in his rearview mirror, and uh, he said that it was. He said, my main focus is in Europe. I feel like after this camp, meeting with the U.S. national team, I feel like I have a good chance of becoming something big in Germany. I just, I'm just focusing on my soccer. He was by far the best player uh, of either team in that game. In fact, Soccer America's player ratings, they gave him an eight. Wow. That's, uh, a, that's yeah, a which is really for, good. For a friendly yeah. that didn't mean anything, an eight is a big number. Yeah, well, he played really well. He was dangerous all day coming up the left side. Um, on the penalty kick, I don't know how much you've read about this, but it was very interesting. Uh, once the penalty was called, Yanez uh, went straight to the spot. I mean, he didn't ask for permission. They, Berhalter said they had not designated a penalty kicker, but in practice uh, throughout the whole month, Paul Ariola was taking the penalty kicks. He was the most experienced player on the field at that point. Giassi had not come in. So it should have been Ariola's. He was playing it forward. He's the most experienced player on the team, um, the oldest player on the team. He wasn't the captain at that point, but he was the guy that should have taken that shot. And Giannis went right to the spot, grabbed the ball. Ariola came up to him and it was basically like, what are you doing? And he goes, I want this. I really want this. My parents are here. It's my first game in the stadium. I know I can make this. And Ariola, who, by the way, scored his first national team goal in his debut, mm -hmm. he said, what am I going to say to that? You know, okay. You know, he let him take it. And uh, it was a really interesting day for, well, he scored the goal, as you know, and then he gave a little Kobe Bryant salute during right. his celebration. But, but Yanez was he was so enjoying this day in this game. Um, he was told the day before he'd be in the starting lineup. He didn't tell his parents. He kept telling his dad, maybe he'll get out the bench for the second half. I don't know what's going to happen. As a result, he had 50 uh, friends and family members out there too. And he got the biggest ovation of pregame warmups. He was in the starting lineup. He went 70 some minutes. Um, as we said, was dangerous all the way. And afterwards was just feeling great. He did say when he went to Germany, the first couple of months, were really tough. He he said he cried a lot. He spent a lot of time alone. He wanted to come home, but he looked back on his family and said, they sacrificed so much for me, driving me to Galaxy Academy, sacrificing all the things they did to get me to training and everything and pay for my boots and all the stuff they had to do. He said, they sacrificed so much for me, I can sacrifice for them because by staying in Europe, 
you know, I have a better chance of maybe making a lot of money and supporting my family down the road. So that's why he uh, he he kind of stuck it out. He he left the, the Dignity Health Sports Park. He said he always wanted to play there, um, and this was his first game in the big stadium. And he left with a signed ball. Um, that's what players generally get for their first goal and their first cap, a ball signed by everyone else on the team. He said it's going to go on his parents' uh, mantelpiece next to the, the first goal, the ball from the first goal he scored for Galaxy 2. That's kind of cool, isn't it? That's It's just, listen... Uh, he, you know, playing with with Wolfsburg and 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 being there and and that's good and and I think he does have a possibility of of you know making a breakthrough in the Bundesliga. He seems like that type of player, um, and it seems like they have enough faith in him that that perhaps he could eventually make that breakthrough. I'm just thinking, you know, you talked about Dennis Klose and and the way he was sort of able to extend an olive branch after again what I deem as the LA Galaxy kind of ignoring um, Ulianis for for a while, just assuming I think that he would just stay with the LA Galaxy, um, and he didn't. Um, well, and- that's what he said, and that's what Ziggy told me too at the time is that there was no promise that they they, they very late in his, in that season they they promoted him to Galaxy two and let him play there, but. Uh, by that time, he had felt like th- he was out of the picture. That you know, they they weren't going to allow him to compete for a, a spot on the first team. That's one reason why Ephraim, uh, Ephraim Alvarez all, all of a sudden got all these opportunities. They didn't want the young players to think that there wasn't an opportunity. And Dennis has talked about that. You can have the greatest young players in the world, but if they don't think there's an opportunity for them to advance, if they think they can score 700 goals down at Galaxy Two and no one's ever going to notice. They're all going to go, and that's what happened with Yanez. And uh, by the way, he gave his U.S. national team jersey to his mom after the game, and she cried, of course. Ah. But you look at this kid, 18 years old, okay, and and um, you're grabbing the ball basically away from Paul Areola, a guy who's played in World Cup qualifiers, uh, to take that kick in front of the crowd in his home stadium in his in his you know his first game with the national team. This is a kid with a lot of confidence, maybe maybe a little too cocky, but certainly you'd rather have it be that way than the other way around. Uh, wanting to do that, uh, putting the pressure on himself. I mean, it'd be one thing if Ariola came up and said, hey, it's, it's your home crowd, you take the shot. No, he told the veteran, I'm going to score on this shot. Let me take it. You got to kind of like that. But I think, you're, I think you may be onto something with the Wolfsburg thing, and, and here's why. I've talked to a lot of uh, young players. I just spoke to Alfonso Davies, uh, who was with Vancouver and now is with Bayern Munich. I just spoke to him about a week ago, and he, I asked him, why do so many young North American players go to go to Germany in particular? And you've seen a ton of them. You know, right. you got Josh Sargent, and, you, and Pulisic went there. And young teenagers from that go from North America, they don't go to the Premier League. They don't go to Italy. They don't go to Spain. They go to Germany. And all those players told me it's because they allow young players to play there they give them a, a chance which is good we just talked about that didn't happen with the galaxy and that's why he went there but conversely i think the window's a little bit short mm-hmm. when you get to be when you're 17 and 18 you're a prospect when you're 21 and 22 and 23 if you haven't blossomed yet there's another 17 year old that's coming in to take your spot right. and you're 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 done that you know if if yuli doesn't have a great start when he moves up to, to wolfsburg's bundesliga team Maybe he is one of those guys that does come back to MLS. Right now, I would bet against it. He looks like he is, is going to be great. But it's definitely something in the realm of possibility. And family is extremely important to him. If he comes back to the States, he's not going to play for Sporting Kansas City. I'll tell you that. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a fun one. Uh, again, I always think... I think that, you know, the last minute sort of dive in there by Dennis DeClosa could possibly mean that, you know, a relatively young, let's say he's 23 or 24 at that point, 
Um, maybe things didn't pan out 100% the way he wanted in Europe, Kevin, which, by the way, uh, that's not a that's not to, to wish him any ill will. It's just to say that a lot of things don't work out for people whenever they go try uh, to play in Europe. That's just the way that you know the ball bounces. That's that's how things go. Um, but if you're looking at this and saying, okay, um, you know, it, it could Ulianis come back to the LA Galaxy? I think you have to say, yeah. I mean, if he's coming back to MLS, you got it. He's not going to play for Sporting Kansas City. This seems like he's going to come back to the LA Galaxy, which would be a, a very interesting thing. Also, might be a might be a an allocation. Um, you know, deal at the, at that point. If he gets enough caps with the uh, U.S. Men's National Team, might be on the allocation list. Oh, just all sorts of fun stuff that could come down the road uh, as we go. So anyway, but here's another guy who's going to be on. I would guess because he's playing second division in Germany. I think Wolfsburg would definitely let him go to the Olympic qualifiers and to the Olympics, which would happen during training camp in Germany. Um, you know, here's another guy. If he continues playing the way he played in this game and continues with that confidence. He's a guy that could really raise his profile with a good Olympic tournament. I, I know a lot of the European teams look down at the Olympics. It's not a, uh, you know, a FIFA sanctioned, you know, you don't get the, the teams don't have to release you to go play in those. Right. We have the situation where Chicharito, the year that Mexico won in 2012, Chicharito was in England training with Manchester United and they refused to allow him to leave. On All he wanted to do was go on game days and he'd come back for training. They refused to allow him to do that um, because it was the Olympics and it doesn't matter. But you have seen players, you know, the only major international trophy that uh, that Messi has ever won was an Olympic gold medal in 2008. Uh, Neymar won Olympic gold medal with Brazil in the last Olympics. So, you know, there have been guys who have made their names by winning an Olympic tournament. Yeah, it's still a tournament, uh, even if it's a little quirky. <laughs> Uh, it's still a tournament, and that's one of those things that you sit there and go, okay, um, you know, for, for guys like Julian Araujo, for guys like Ulianis, it really could end up being something that, that really works uh, well for them. Um, so anyway, so that's that's sort of, I, I don't know, again, a, a more in-depth look at, at what uh, at what happened um, there. You you were also there in the stadium, Kevin. Uh, Victoria Block is, is was pretty much ready to be unveiled. I saw a ton of social media, a ton of different posts from people um, showing basically uh, Victoria Block almost done the safe standing section on the north side of the uh, of the stadium. What'd you uh, what'd you think? Well, the first thing I thought of was uh, it, they didn't let anyone sit there. I guess it wasn't completely done yet or safe. And so every time a ball was kicked beyond the goal, it went into that empty section. And it reminded me that, A, the Victoria block's going to be there, but it's not done yet. And it reminded me, B, there's nobody at this game. Right. It was kind of weird. Uh, it, it is a – and this is not a criticism. It's just an observation. It's a little smaller than I thought it would be. And the reason it looks smaller – I don't know how many seats there. I didn't count them, although I, you know, it would have been easy to do. But um, – the sections on either side of it uh, are not part of the Victoria block. Right. So that means you can sit in the north end behind the goal and not be in the Victoria block as long as you sit you know, out on the two uh, most distant uh, sections. So it doesn't take up the whole north end like I kind of thought it would. And, and I, I don't know why that is, whether they wanted to allow some seats for people who didn't want to be in the supporters section or not. It looked like they were also another piece of news. It looked like they were reseating the berm, too. Yes. So I think the berm is going to be in play again this year. Yeah, it seems like the grass will return. I haven't heard uh, whether or not it would be. I, I have the sneaking suspicion that eventually someday it gets turned into artificial turf instead of uh, it being uh, just grass. Uh, that's just speculation on my part. There's nothing. That would I've be heard. horrible on a hot day. You want to sit on plastic? I mean, it depends on how hot it is and and what you can do for it. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's sort of the idea with the grass. There is that it keeps it well, cool. So, but you know, here's another uh, another question about the Victoria Beckham block. Uh -huh. Is what do they do for that with the LA? Wildcat games. 
Is that where the Wildcat supporter section? No, no, because the the um, there still aren't there seats. There are seats in there, but they're supposed to be. That's a a FIFA rule. You're supposed to have every ticket is supposed to have a seat, a place to actually put your butt. Yeah, but I I think they get locked out for Galaxy games whenever they're there. And then if you want to sell those seats as general admission, you can still do those um, because the seat actually flips down. So I imagine there's there. I also know that they built into this the ability to expand that section whenever they need to. So like you said, the two sections on either side uh, I think it takes up four sections total because it's two sections on either side of the center line um, so four sections total there and then there's uh, two sections on either or one section on either side that is still left open like you said the, ge- the general admission side of that has always been a popular draw and a cheaper ticket so um, you know you're sort of moving both of those those general admission to the corners there uh, more towards the corners but there's still a good section there so um, I think as if the Victoria block grows and as I expect it to grow because I think people will sort of see that um, as a little bit of a uniting force on that side. I think I know that they can expand that to those other sections. Um, so eventually, you know, I'm guessing that in three or four years time that it's now the entire north end side as, as it continues. But uh, still interesting to see it going. And as everybody knows, uh, February 8th coming up this weekend, uh, the LA Galaxy hosting open training and a barbecue and the debut of Victoria Block there. So you can go out and check it out. So that is happening uh, this weekend on the 8th. I think I'll, help, I'll make sure I give the full uh, determination and all of the details on that on Thursday night uh, for you. So that way you can uh, you can get ready for that. And I, could, I should probably tip my hat by saying Thursday night will be uh, Sophie on the uh, podcast as well, just as a little heads up on that. So, What do you think of that name, Victoria Block? I think they could have done – I mean, I, I know where it comes from. I do. Um, but uh, – do you, do you like that? Do you think it's the best name they could have come up with? I don't have a problem with it. I see. Okay. Here's 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 my problem with names is that everybody pretends like there are better names, and then they tell, yeah. then they say them, and I'm always like, meh. I'm I'm usually fine with the name that they pick. It's the same as El Trafico. People tell me all the time they have better names, and I hear them. I'm like, yeah, that's that's not better. Uh, it's it's not worse. It's just not better. And so you know, I always I always sit there and say, if you, I, I think the worst job in the world is having to name something. No, 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 that's not true. The worst job in the world is being an Adidas kit designer who has to release these like repetitive and sort of uh, you know derivative designs year after year that we see on all these MLS jerseys and then pretend like they're something fun. Can you imagine designing MLS kits and then seeing as soon as they're launched out all the people crying about them just how horrible they are and by the way most of those are rightfully so that they're horrible but you know what i am this is the one year that i have couldn't care less not excited at all about these new kit releases everyone's going gaga over them oh there's this early release an early peek at the philadelphia union kit and it's like nope (sighs) Yeah. It's, it, uh, nothing. No, I, I'm getting nothing out of these. Yeah, I d- well, I mean, I think that's because they've been mostly uninspired. The LA Galaxy, I think, actually got away with uh, with having an an okay design, uh, which is better than most of them, which have been horrible. So anyway, I, like I said, I don't have a problem with the name uh, as long as everybody's on board with it, and that's what they're going to call it. That's what they call it. I mean, you know, uh, do I think the Sir Alex Ferguson stand is a great name for the side of a stadium? No. Oh, the Bruce Arena stand. The, that might have worked. The, the Bruce Arena. Or the uh, Ziggy, Sh- <laughs> the Ziggy Schmidt stand. You could have, you could. I mean, yeah. that's that's where that's where you sit there and you start saying, okay, but if you're gonna put Ziggy Schmidt up there, you know, is there a Kobe Jones stand? Yeah. And, and why is there not a uh, you know a Cienfuego stand? I mean, that's what that's the problem. You get it. It's like the statue with Beckham. Was Beckham the best choice for the first statue? Probably not. No, no, no. of course not. By the way, before you get away from kits, I need to tell you on on our recent trip to Italy, I was walking down the street one day wearing a Galaxy jersey, an old Galaxy jersey, long sleeve 
Galaxy jersey with the diagonal stripe. And anyway, a, a shopkeeper came out, and I thought that they had recognized the shirt, and maybe because it was a lot ton or whatever. Right. But the shopkeeper came out and yelled at me, Herbalife. That was what she got <laughs> from the shirt. <laughs> Not David Beckham or Kobe Jones or Landon Donovan. There's a lot that was. Herbalife. Can we can we tell you why you were wearing a Galaxy? Because you packed horribly, and that was like the it, one long sleeve shirt that you had, or something like that. It wasn't was it? very. It was very cold. <laughs> Cracks me up uh, every time. All right, so uh, so Victoria Block, of course, getting unveiled on February eighth. Um, let's see. I wanted to, you know, the the, uh, the LA Galaxy have a scrimmage coming up. We'll talk real quickly about that as we sort of end it. But I want to talk about one other thing, Kevin, um, that I'm seeing on social media and people talking. And I tried to sort of explain where everything was, but you know, this is something that has happened, and now people are realizing that it 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 that the LA Galaxy haven't acknowledged this, and that is that Ramon Alessandrini left the LA Galaxy. He said his goodbyes. The LA Galaxy did not reciprocate that. They have not, right? And so there, and people are asking why. And I wanted to know if you had noticed that before I tell you the exact reason why they haven't acknowledged it. Um, I have, I have, and haven't noticed it. And right. it didn't really strike me as something unusual. I mean, yeah, clearly they should have done that, but I don't remember them making a big deal when land when they decided not to uh, offer Landon Donovan a contract either. That was right in that. Sp- in that span where Bruce had left and they were going young and, and all the old guys were out. But if you remember Robbie Keane, Steven Gerrard, Landon Donovan, all those guys, it was just basically, Oh yeah, they're not coming back. Yeah. I I mean, I mean, here's the thing. Um, And here's, and, and here's the reason why, first of all, this is not the LA galaxy slighting anybody. Um, There's a reason. And I actually asked about it. This was one of the reasons that I know I actually asked about it. I'm like, so when are you guys going to, you know, acknowledge Roman Alessandrini? This is whenever he came out and said that, you know, he wasn't coming back. And actually it even stemmed before that because Kevin, you and I knew that he was 99.9% not coming back uh, well before he announced that he wasn't coming back. Uh, and we knew that the LA Galaxy and Roman had sort of, you know, split and parted ways on that. And that there was probably a very slim chance of him coming back. Now, here is why the LA Galaxy have not said anything. And I think if Roman Alessandrini, in fact, I know if Roman Alessandrini finds another club, and they announce that, and and he announces that he has another club, and that club announces that he's coming and that he's settled somewhere. The LA Galaxy absolutely will put up a post and say thank you, Ramon, for for all of your service. Blah blah. blah. You know it's great. They'll do the whole you know heartstrings thing, and everybody will get a chance to say goodbye to Ramon Alessandrini. Again, the reason they're not doing it, however, is because one, he hasn't found a new club, and two, is they don't want to be put in a position, and and listen, this is an extreme long shot. I I explained this on, I think, Facebook group or something like that uh, of why they were doing this, and and people like suddenly got their hopes up. This is an extreme long shot, but with Roman not landing anywhere, Kevin, at all, if nobody, if he doesn't find a team, if he doesn't find a place to, to go, then there's a chance that he could still end up back with the LA Galaxy. Um, and here's why it's a good, I wouldn't say a good chance, but here's why it's possible. Yeah. When I talked to Dennis a couple of times this winter about it, he went out of his way to praise Roman. He said, Roman is a good player. He's a talented player. We like him. He works hard. He adds something to the team. But he always ended, all of those comments were, but he's too expensive. It's the same thing he said about Jurgen Shelvick, right. um, RIP, um, that if you're making that much money, you need to be a productive player. And he said Ramon was was you know subject to injury and injury prone, and that he wasn't earning a, a designated player salary uh, by being by missing. But he never took anything away from what Roman did bring when he was on the field. And so I think you're absolutely right. Now Roman, they're not going to insult him by saying you got to come back at minimum wage. I would imagine he would get 
250 or 300, which is a tenth of what he got, right? Well, a little less than a tenth of what he got before. So yeah, they would bring him back at a at a price that makes sense for the Galaxy because they believe in him. They believe right. he's a good player. Right. They just don't want to pay him DP salary. They don't want to pay him. I don't even think they want to pay him a million. I mean, I think he'd have to come back at a sizable cut. Now, I'll take 300000 You probably would. Right. Well, maybe not you. That's probably sofa change for you but <laughs> um but you know for a guy that 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 made designated player money last year that's he's got to he's got to think about it but if there's no other offers and he loves la and that's another one of those things that bruce arena discount when he got ashley cole and Nigel the young and those guys you get to play in la yep you know maybe he wants to stay yeah it's again listen i i, I still say somebody asked me what the chance of him coming back was and i said i told you he was 99.9 percent gone so there's still that 0.1 percent chance so that's why they haven't said it i hope this explanation at least you know you can understand now you could say that the la galaxy should have already gone out of their way and, and said you know that he should that they should have said something nice about it the whole deal and i agree i mean you can you can argue it both ways i just don't think they want to be able to go back on it although it's still a good so let's say worst case scenario kevin is that you say on thanks for everything and then he goes away and then a month later he's like he gets the post i'm back and they're like you're back yay i mean there's well, there's not a it, horrible story there no but you know they did it with landon remember the hoopla when he left and then a year and a half later he came out of retirement to come back i i, I get it that was a little different thing but you know what's weird about soccer that always strikes me is there's all this stuff about the devotion to the team and playing for the crest and all those things and and it just doesn't seem reciprocal and by that i mean you look at for example the dodgers you know no player has worn 34 since fernando left the number's not retired it's just that out of respect for what fernando meant to the team they haven't given it to any player they uh, players have asked for it and they refuse to give it to a player um because of what fernando meant to the team so it's not retired but it's just Fernando's still around. We're not going to give it to anybody. You look at soccer. I mean, Landon Donovan was cut from the national team, and and uh, um, mixed Discarud wore his number ten in the next game. Yeah. Um, you just there's just it doesn't seem to be that you know once they're gone, someone else on the U.S. women's team. I think it's Lynn Williams is wearing Alex Morgan's number thirteen. Hey, she's coming back. She's pregnant. She hasn't retired. She's coming back, but yet her number's already been taken. There doesn't seem to be. I just don't feel like there's that respect. There's a whole bunch of tradition and all kinds of things in soccer, but when it comes to the players, it seems like if you're not here in the locker room, you know you've moved on, and 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 we're we're going on without you. Your number's gone. Your locker's gone. Everything that you've done is gone. You're not here anymore. Well, I mean, you know, some of that is that the historical nature of soccer shows that you know players one through eleven where numbers one through 11 and everybody knows that the 10 i mean listen what are you going to do retire a number 10 jersey kevin and then no, nobody can give it to mix disc uh, well hey i mean that, loud no i kind of agree with that but i mean jorgen klinsman at the time had the had the mind that the players wore one through 11 on the field for the most part well he also wanted to, to just get up and landon's face about that come on uh, let's... Uh, oh absolutely the, there's nothing to that okay um, let's go on a little bit. And as you, uh, you mentioned uh, before we get to this uh, scrimmage and tell you just a little bit about what we know, uh, so far about the scrimmage and it's coming up on Tuesday. Uh, we're recording on a Monday night. So basically if you listen to this Tuesday afternoon, the game's probably already over. Uh, but the LA galaxy, galaxy won. Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> yay. <laughs> um, the LA galaxy did loan, as you were talking about you, Mr. Jorgen Shelvik, uh, to Odense bold club, uh, in Denmark. All right. Uh, this was a uh, a deal that we didn't know in terms of. I didn't know what team it was, uh, Kevin. We didn't know what team it was, but we knew that Jorgen was not in the long term plans for the Galaxy, and we knew that he was 
pointed towards the door this season. Um, you know, I, I made the the bet with everybody. I said I'd do my first show of the season shirtless if Jorgen Shelvick was still on the LA Galaxy roster at this point. And I know some people are like, oh, well, he's on loan. He's still on the roster. Listen, no, don't 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 play that game with me. All right, he's not. He is he is on the Joao Pedro loan. Okay, he ain't coming back. Uh, this seems like one of those uh, where he's been uh, quote unquote exiled uh, to Brentford Denmark. Jameson the fourth. Yeah, exiled. I mean, you go on loan, and everybody knows you're not coming back, and that's what's going on right now with Jorgen Shelvik. Now, um, in terms of the uh, the relief, I'll tell you right now, the LA Galaxy get an international slot back, which actually makes them international slot compliant right now. Eight of eight. Um, so that's one of the things, and uh, I'm being told that there is uh, significant salary relief as well, including uh, I think the the inference, at least uh, I was told, is that he's completely off the books. So the LA Galaxy will not be paying for his salary, and they will get that salary cap money and the targeted allocation money back for this season. That's got to be some sort of roster manipulation thing like with Geo, where you get to buy out one guy because I can't imagine the Danish team is giving the Galaxy a million dollars for this guy. Yeah, I mean, maybe they agreed to – maybe in Denmark that's not that much money. I don't know. Uh, maybe it is, but it's a, it's a good thing. However it happens, it seems like the LA Galaxy are going to get that money back, and that's the reason that they made this deal. Um, you know, whether or not that proves out to be true uh, is certainly something to watch. And yes, in the grand scheme of things, he's still a quote-unquote LA Galaxy player, but, you know, Joel Pedro was still an LA Galaxy player for the year and a half I think he went on loan. Well, he better be a great Dane if he's going to be paid a million dollars to play Oh, there. wow. You just, you, you, you had it queued up. I could hear, I could hear the wheels grinding over here. I could hear it uh, all going. So anyway, uh, Jorgen Shelvik uh, off to Denmark. Uh, the best comment that I got on that, by the way, was, uh, was a, a young lady who said, hey, Josh, can you do a flight tracker? I want to make sure that Jorgen Shelvik actually ends up in Denmark. Um, so that was it. Again, uh, a guy who is, uh, is more maligned, not because he has, and I'm going to say this, mediocre play. Um, because I don't think he's horrible. I don't think he's as bad as everybody wants to pretend he is. But a guy who had mediocre play um, ends up, you know, just he, he didn't. It's just not a million dollar deal. That's the problem. Yeah, was just, if he came in uh, at 400,000 or even for what Yella Van Dam got, uh, it probably wouldn't be the gnashing of teeth. But the fact that he came in as the most expensive defender in MLS um, was not a good deal. By the way. Let's let's point out who who broke that move. Oh, it was Josh's first article for the LA Times. Whenever he did that one, that was the, that was the Jorgen Shelvick. So that yeah, probably, and look what happened. I Way to say, go! I was going to say job. that jinxed it from the beginning. So uh, it doesn't surprise me at all. All right, uh, the LA Galaxy. Yeah, don't let anybody write for that publication. Apparently, they will. No qualifications. Clearly, uh, LA Galaxy uh, closed door scrimmage is coming up now. I'm told a 12:30 p.m. kickoff time. Um, this will get played, I believe, out front. Uh, for the LA Galaxy, it is a closed-door scrimmage. What does that mean? That means that nobody's really going to be able to watch this. There's probably not going to be a whole bunch of social media, although sometimes they go full out and somebody tweets the whole game for the LA Galaxy, so I would say follow that. No, it will not be streamed. Uh, the LA Galaxy taking on the Vancouver Whitecaps in this game. Uh, I think there's some other uh, scrimmages planned as well, um, but this is the first one, so closed-door scrimmage coming in. Uh, Kevin, you found out a, a little information uh, about possibly some players to uh, to play. Yeah, it, it 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 looks like Insua, who is now here and apparently has all his immigration paperwork uh, in order, will be around. I I, I would suspect that he's not going to play, I or would, if, yeah. if he did, very little. You know, why would they rush him in there without knowing his teammates? Also, Chicharito, he's one. I was told TBA. They're not quite sure. Um, he doesn't have as of as we're recording this Monday night. He does not have all of his visa paperwork completed. 
the Galaxy are very hopeful it'll be done the beginning of this week. Does that mean Tuesday morning? It's possible. If it right. were done Tuesday morning, I think they'd probably want to get him out there and right. let him run around. Remember, he came to camp fit because he it was the middle of Sevilla season, but he only played, I think, one, maybe two games since the beginning of November. And since the Galaxy started working on this deal, he stopped training with Sevilla because he didn't want to get injured. He really hasn't done much in two to three weeks, certainly hasn't played a game in over a month. So I think the Galaxy would love to get him out there and see him run around a little bit. But as of Monday night, that was sort of up in the air. Now, a couple of things I wanted to say about, about Chicharito, because he's had an interesting two weeks here. I had a chance to talk to him last week and he told me that one of the things that he and his wife are doing now is they're looking for a home and he named a whole bunch of communities in the west side hollywood hills west hollywood that's where carlos bella and jonathan dos santos live so if you're looking to make a bet on where he might wind up i would pick that but he's also looking in venice and santa monica definitely looking on the west side he said they're taking their time they're renting right now they could, could do that for two to three months he talked it could go into the summer because they want to have the perfect house um, because they do have a seven-month-old and they want to have everything that they need there in that house. Um, that's a good sign for Galaxy fans because that means that Chicharito is 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 taking this three- to four-year deal seriously and is setting down roots. He's not trying to find a place close to the freeway you know, with a Starbucks that he can drive through on his way to the airport. He's taking this seriously. So, I mean, that's all a, a good thing. Um, and Another thing, you know, he's starting to get used to L.A. a little bit. He said he's got out. He he said even when he played in Guadalajara, Manchester, he didn't stay in the house. He went out there. He's not afraid of the fans, uh, you know, as long as they're polite. He says what he's worried about is when they don't recognize him when he goes out, not when they do recognize okay. him. Because he said, if I'm performing well and the team is doing well, people will recognize me because they'll see me in the papers and on TV. And if they don't recognize me, that means we're not doing well and no one cares. So he's definitely hoping that people will recognize him. So if you see him, be polite, but he's not going to get upset with you if you want to come up and say hello to him. But I think the most interesting thing that might have happened to Chicharito is um, he sat courtside at the Laker game, his first time to Staples Center, sat courtside at the Laker game for the Kobe tribute. And he sat next to Kobe's empty chair. And if you saw the highlights of that, it was draped with a Laker 24 jersey and flowers, uh, and it was sort of the centerpiece of the whole memorial episode, and, and Chicharito was right next to that chair. The reason I say that is interesting is people were making the point to me afterwards, and I don't know how far to go with this, but I do think it's probably one of those things that maybe is going to take root in Germany a little bit. Chicharito looked at that and said, you know what? If I can be, if I can have success in this town, if I can, you know, Kobe brought what five NBA titles and an MVP there. If I can bring success to this town, maybe they'll adopt me too. Mm-hmm. Um, Kobe didn't grow up here. Kobe came from from Philadelphia. Kobe made his career here. Kobe got involved in the community and did a lot of things. And I wonder how much of that washed over Chicharito and where he thought, you know, if if I do well and keep my nose clean and be a good guy like Kobe was, you know, people here will 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 love me too. Um, it would have been a hard message for an athlete to miss, I think, especially an athlete who's new to the community, to say, yeah, this this really is a sports community. I know Bastian Schweinsteiger did the same thing when we went to Chicago. He immediately started going to Blackhawk games and Cub games and, and Bears games and realized that it was a sports community and that if you uh, honor that and honor the tradition, that you'll be loved. And I, I, it would be, I haven't talked to Chicharito since that. Uh, moment, but man, that would have been a hard message for anybody to miss. Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting that those AEG floor seats uh, 
always uh, always coming in handy for the LA Galaxy in terms of that. I know there were some people who were taking the negative view of it. It was like, oh well, this is bad PR. Why does you know you don't you can't do that? Um, you can't set him next to you know the chairs where, where Kobe and, and Gigi were were being honored there. And it's like you know what? It, it's I think that in this particular case, it wasn't about the PR. I think that it was about Chicharito wanting to go. Um, and AEG having the ability to get the seats where, you know, basically they, they have those seats. Those are their those seats. seats. I, I saw Roman Alessandrini sitting in those seats when he first came here, yeah. too. So it's kind of like the new guy gets to sit their seats. Yeah, it is their seats. I don't know that it was calculated. I don't know that it wasn't calculated. Right. Uh, and, and I know that Chicharito sent out, uh, you know, some social media tributes to Kobe. I don't know how big of a basketball fan he was, but certainly knew who Kobe was and and sent out, you know, some some really nice thoughts, um, you know, uh, when Kobe passed. But, uh, man, it's just it was such an emotional night. There's no oh. way that he could have walked away from that without having been impacted. Oh, crazy, crazy stuff. All right. Good stuff. Uh, I think that that about does it, Kevin. I don't think we I, I was worried that we wouldn't have much to talk about. And here we are over an hour again. So um, I think we did a, a pretty good job. Again, the LA Galaxy will start to ramp things up. Uh, we talk about Victoria Block coming up. We talk about the games on the uh, the preseason game, which is open to the public at Dignity House Sports Park on the 15th and then the 22nd. We talk about our live show on 2-22 at 2 p.m. So February 22nd, 2 p.m., Dignity Health Sports Park. You're going to want to get there. Get your tickets. Get inside. So that way uh, you can get uh, you can watch this live show that we're going to put together for you. I know the Panda will be there. we got everybody, I think, lined up to be there for you. So uh, just sort of keep that in your mind. 2.22 at Dignity Health Sports Park. 2 p.m. is when our live show starts, and we're going to go right up until basically kickoff of the LA Galaxy game uh, against the Chicago Fire on the 22nd. So uh, be ready for that, and hopefully we'll see everybody out there. But this is the time of year where everything's going to start ramping up. I know people, Kevin, are going to ask us, you know, what about the latest rumors on anything? Hey, listen, we're, we're, we've, we're listening. <laughs> we're paying attention. Um, as soon as something sort of comes on, and we know that the LA Galaxy are in the process of targeting some people, um, we just don't know exactly when that's going to be and if that comes comes to fruition. Well, the European transfer window is closed, which I don't know how much that impacts the Galaxy. But what it does tell us is that some European teams that wanted to make moves, if they didn't get the guy they want, um, know that they're stuck with the roster they have. And that may make guys available, may, may make teams hang on to guys. Galaxy, you know, MLS teams can still accept players. So it just it cut down some of the options and some of the uh, um, possibilities that Dennis has to be thinking about. So he may be getting close to landing somebody. I understand there were going to be some some roster moves, some significant moves this week. I don't have an, any idea what that means. I was just told that the to, to keep watching my email, so we'll see what happens. But certainly there's some openings, especially on the back line, and Dennis had said he wanted one more attacker, so we know that he's working on something. Yeah, we, we know that he's uh, he's digging around there. Again, uh, the MLS transfer window, Kevin, which I think is hysterical, uh, doesn't close until May 5th, and it technically isn't open yet. Um, it doesn't open until February 12th, which is always hysterical and funny and, and fun to sort of say, but you can add people in the offseason, and then their paperwork just gets sort of transferred over on the 12th, so that's sort of how Oh, and also, wait, uh, look for CBA news this week. Apparently, the owners, many of the owners, are meeting uh, in Kansas City or outside Kansas City. I don't know whether it's the Kansas City with the Chiefs or the Kansas City where the president thinks the Chiefs are from. Yes. But they're meeting in the Midwest, and a lot of the owners are there, and there's only one thing they could possibly be talking about at this time of year, and that's got to be the CBA it looked like things were moving towards a resolution and they kind of got blown up and that's why they extended the CBA one more week, but they have to make a decision because CONCACAF Champions League is coming up. And uh, if one side or the other doesn't agree to an extension of that CBA, it, officially expires and there could be a lockout or a work stoppage so 
That'll all come down by Friday. Yeah, that extension, by the way, like you said, until Friday, so on the 7th, February 7th right now. That doesn't mean that they don't extend it to the 14th whenever they get to the 6th. But um, both sides have to agree on that. They do, and they have to keep working on that. So we'll see uh, see what comes of that. All right, I think that about does it. Uh, anything yeah. else, Kevin? You good? Nope, we're good. All right, hey, what do you know? We actually did it. All right, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, you can go ahead and find him at kbaxter11. That's right, kbaxter11. Find him there, and then head on over to latimes.com for all of Kevin's wonderful soccer coverage, uh, including the U.S. men's national team, U.S. women's national team, LA Galaxy, LAFC, anything in Southern California, he covers it. So follow him over there at latimes.com. All right. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jay Guessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N. And of course, at Galaxy Podcast on Twitter, at Galaxy Podcast on Instagram. Go there, cornerthegalaxy.com. All of our written articles, our podcasts, our shows, all that fun stuff will be right there, cornerthegalaxy.com. Have some fun stuff planned for you, so don't go anywhere too far. We're going to get everything ready for that live show coming up on 222, so get your tickets to that game, and we will see you out there. All right. For Mr. Kevin Baxter, I'm Josh Getzman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast, and be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Arajo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.